welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, thank you. I'm very grateful to be here, and it's great to see everybody. A lot of people I know from my various travels around Europe and uh, also from the UK, so welcome, everybody. And uh, thank you for asking me, Nancy. You're doing a great job. Um, is this your first week, Nancy, uh, doing the shares? Anyway, um, I'm thinking that you've recently been appointed as the share secretary. So um, thank you for asking me. My name is Andrew. I am a sexaholic. And as I said before, my sobriety day is the 10th of December 2015. And for those daily reprieves, I'm truly grateful for the God of my understanding from SA, my sponsor of the 12 Steps and Traditions, uh, the Fellowship of SA, the love and understanding of my family, and my act, my acting out, um, I acted out with masturbation, pornography, adulterous relationships, one night stands crossing the gender boundary, using sex workers, lusting and fantasizing about women in the street or in bars. And um, my sobriety routine, so I have a sponsor. I chose my sponsor because um, I liked his peace and freedom from the disease of sexualism. Uh, he had long-term sobriety, and when I first asked him uh, to be my sponsor, he said uh, he couldn't sponsor me because his sponsor had told him that he could only sponsor people with 12 months sobriety, um, which set up a big resentment in me straight away. And uh, I think it just spurred me to prove him wrong, you know, and that a determination that I would stay sober and uh, ask him in 12 months' time, and he wouldn't bear to refuse me at that point. So, um, but in the meantime, he, he agreed to to take me through the steps using a workshop uh, that he um, has access to. Uh, presently, I have a home meeting, which is the Chelmsford uh, SA Beginners Meeting in the UK. Uh, I have a sponsor. I speak to my sponsor frequently. Um, he asked me to tell him the things I don't want to tell him, so I do my best to do that. Um, I, I sponsor other people. I have four sponsees at the moment. Uh, I have a daily renewal partner. Uh, I do service uh, within SA UK and uh, Chelmsford Beginners Meeting. And um, all those actions sort of provide me with um, some evidence that I am in recovery today, <laughs> uh, which is uh, part of the the title of my my talk, which is uh, Receiving the Gift of Sexual Sobriety. So I just want to just give you a bit of background about myself. Um, I won't go into a drunk log, but it's a little bit about myself. My mindset is one of um, 
feeling inferior, beating myself up from an early age that I wasn't good enough and always full of fear and anxiety. And um, as my, as I just pointed out to me, you know, that I, in um, step four, you know, that I was always uh, alone. I felt I was alone and uh, uh, vulnerable and always had to, I had to take responsibility for my own protection, you know. Um, there were a lot of a lot of violence and um, aggression, bullying uh, in my youth. Uh, always wanting things I couldn't have. Always resentful and obsession, obsessing about why can't I have a girlfriend that looks like her or uh, or like that man's wife or his girlfriend. Never ever been satisfied. I was in a constant state of resentment about the way I I looked, my appearance. I, I was resentful about my lack of financial status. I could never afford my habits, whatever they were, and um, that that used to annoy me because I used to see people uh, using, you know, having access to funds, you know, and um, to, to, to please themselves. I had a totally negative attitude about myself. And I internalized this terrible anger and used masturbation to constantly get even with people and have imaginary sex with these people in my mind, you know, and get and get even for the um, for things that they've done either imagined or real, you know. Um, so in my recovery, I just wanted to perhaps um, talk about what I found out in my recovery these last um, nearly six years now, five years and 11 months. So I have an allergy to lust. Whenever I take it in, it sets off the compulsion for more. And once I start to lust, I cannot stop. And although... I guess I knew that before I came into SA, well, before I got into sobriety in SA, because I joined many, many years. I was, for this, preparing this meeting, I was really trying to work out when I actually first went to an SA meeting. And I think it was in 2001 I went to my first SA meeting in Hind Street in London. Um, but uh, I, well, I didn't understand that, but during the course of um, my ins and outs of SA and falling in and out of um, of, of uh, liking SA, you know, trying to find an easier, softer way. I've come to that conclusion that, you know, that I am allergic to lust in all its forms. And um, once I start, I can't stop. And I think that's fundamental to my recovery and, and people in common with, with people who are in recovery in SA. At the end, um, I was desperate. I, I wanted to, even though I wanted to stop and using all my willpower, um, I simply couldn't stop no matter what. Um, so, you know, I always returned to my drug uh, for some reason. Um, my, I realized that my, my disease had progressed, um, it got much worse, never better. I realized today that that's a classic symptom of addiction, that my tolerance and my, my risk factor goes up as, I, as the addiction grows in me. 
And this addiction is, is uh, sexualism. My acting out became more frequent and um, the frequency of acting out was closer and closer, even to the point where I would act out and swear I'll never do that again. By the end of the evening, I'd be back on the phone again, you know, searching for my next um, hit. You know, it's always, always like that. Find myself getting into dangerous situations, um, frequenting um, places where they had bars on the windows and metal doors, and um, life threatening situations. Um, you know, these were the sort of environments um, that I ended up in. Um, as it says in the big book, we sort out sordid places, you know, that's the sort of thing I, I, I used to enjoy. It's <laughs> crazy. Also spending money I didn't have, you know, and um, I just was losing reality, grasp of my life, and um, lust was in charge of everything I did, and it was um, it was certainly king of me, and um, it, it came before my marriage, my work, my family, my physical health, my mental health, my reputation, financial standing, and... Um, I was totally beaten into submission by, by it yeah, as well. So um, what did I have to do, really, to get um, sexual sobriety? Um, I guess my, 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 the end of my acting out was um, October last uh, 2015, where my wife... Um, she uh, caught me acting out uh, during the day by watching porn and uh, masturbating. Um, and this wasn't the first time she'd ever she'd done that, you know, and she absolutely uh, fed up of, um, of, of me, always promising never to do it again. And I really meant it, but I had no... I had no power over it once. I didn't realise, you know, how, how much this disease had got hold of me. And um, I just realised I had to put, if I wanted to save this relationship, I wanted actually to save my life and my, you know, I had to do something about it. And um, I, I realised that there was, um, I was going to say at the time, although I wasn't sober, as I just described, I, um, I'd heard that there was um, a workshop happening uh, in December. So I somehow, from the 10th of December, I managed to um, stay sober because I, I just knew that it was my last chance, you know, that if, if this didn't work, that it was the end, you know, the end of my marriage, end of, end of me, really, because I, I, I really were, was contemplating suicide. I had the suicidal despair. And uh, and that you know, I just I just became willing to do whatever I was told to do, you know. And I don't think I'd ever been that desperate before, you know. And um, and, and really, um, I understand today that that once I became open and willing, I, I was positioning myself to receive what SA had to hop, offer. I, I would, always before, there was my ego in the way of it, absolutely always 
um, in the way, blocking off any help that I could get. And um, so what happened was um, this this uh, workshop was actually in Amsterdam, and um, and I I realised that was a challenge for me. Um, but it was like as if my higher power was saying, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, what you face, you know, as you, you know, we can we can visit these places, you know, and um, if we go for the right motives. So I, I booked it, and I remember just saying to my wife before I went. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I I talked to her before. I said, look, this is our last chance. This is my last chance. You know, if it doesn't, this doesn't work. Um, We'll have to call it a day, you know. And um, but I was, I was like, I wasn't um, emotional about it. As if I was focused on what I was trying to achieve, you know. And um, I, I travelled to um, after Christmas. It was two days after Christmas or one day after Christmas. I travelled to Amsterdam and the fellowship there. It had been set up um, to receive. Uh, the visitors and I was allocated um, someone to stay with who looked after me and showed me around and was chaperoned me really I think he's probably good at, you know made sure that we got to the right place at the right time you know so that you know whatever we were doing that I was there at, you know to listen to the workshop and, and what really there were some people who were on this meeting who were there at that, that time and I I remember that um, we talked about this in Ireland at the weekend. I just came, I just came back from a, a weekend retreat in Ballyvaloo with the Irish SA. And we talked about it. Somebody was talking about this. Because um, where are you in the SA life raft, you know? And there was a certain questions that were asked and people who had sponsors, who sponsored others, who did service, they... They moved to the right and people who didn't move to the left. And I realised at the end, you know, all the silver people were over there and I was over here. And I, I really wanted to be over there. I really did. And, and I was, I don't was envious of them, but like I just wanted what they, they had, you know. And um, things like that kept happening, you know. And it was, you know, I was on the edge and it was helped, it was pointed out to me that I was susceptible to lust, the lust sharks surrounding me, circling the, the life raft, you know, and I was certainly clinging on by my fingernails, you know, and uh, it, it wasn't a pretty sight. But um, first day, you know, it was good and we started doing the work and Something that really struck me during the work was that between each step that we took, the leader, um, who, who is my sponsor now, he, he said, right, we're going to do the step prayer of, of that step. So we do the step one prayer or the step two prayer. And I was always um, very, um, I don't know, New, I don't know. I didn't have any approach to it anyway. And he he, he said to you, adopt your prayer position to, to say the prayer. And I, I didn't have one, you know. And I sort of, I had this opinion that 
oh, well, God didn't care. You know, if God loves me, you know, he'll take me any, you know, as I am, you know, you know, which is, I'm sure, true, you know. However, um, you know, this is about being ready to receive the gift of sobriety, you know. And Ten minutes left, Andrew. Thank you. And I, I, I realized that um, that night when I went home, I, I noticed what other people were doing. Some people were standing up in, in like a, a new age position, if I can call it that, and other people were doing a more formal on the knees and other people, you know, they, everyone was had something and I didn't, you know, and I, it really struck me in the night and, and as I thought about it during the day, um, it became more important to me that, you know, that something had to change. So when... When the leader then said again, you know, they were going to do step three today and uh, this this morning, and we did the step three and we did the we, we, we did the prayer, and 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 then you know we, during the prayer, you know, he said adopt the prayer position, and I, I did. I, I went down on my knees at that time and and prayed, you know, and. Um, um, I just get emotional thinking about it, really. But something happened at that point. I, you know, what it was, I'm not sure. But, like, it was so, like, all the, I don't know, maybe I just some of that intellectual ice that melted, like Bill Wilson talks about in, in Bill's story, you know, that, that there's something, the hand reached in and sort of, Touch me, you know, and all my intellectual pride, and because I was a spent vessel, I was absolutely spent vessel. There was nothing of me left apart from lust and, you know, animal instincts. That's all it was, you know, and it was, it wasn't pretty, and you know, I was touched by it, you know, and, and at that time, you know, maybe this. Desperation, this gift of desperation, the G.O.D. was actually penetrating my thick skull and, and, and sort of melting my ego um, to, the, to the point where I could actually get this program, you know, and, and it allowed me to be honest in my step four and, and share it in step five. And then it was... I'd been willing to have all these defects. You know, like I, I used to think that not suffering fools gladly was a was an asset, you know. You know, actually it's intolerance, you know, it's um, you know, uh, arrogance, you know. But like I had all these false premonitions, you know, I had these prejudices which were preventing me from making progress on this spiritual journey, you know. And then like writing out the step eight stuff, you know, um, being willing to make amends. You know, people that I'd really harmed and, you know, um, and I, what, what, what are the, what are the exercises that made me laugh is that we have to practice making amends to people that you met in the streets, you know, and uh, we, we were sort of all walking around like whistling, you know, so, uh, oh, excuse me, um, um, I, I think I found you, you know, sort of like practicing what we're going to say. And uh, I remember saying to this man, you know, I, I 
I think I've, uh, he said, he said, oh, well, what, what are you doing, like, what have you said against me? I said, oh, I've got so what you've been saying, you know. And he forgot it was role play, but he really felt I had, you know. I said, no, no, it's only role play. I don't, I've not met you before, you know. But, you know, it was, it was all good practice and it was always a good laugh in it as well, you know. But just practicing this stuff and, and writing the, the, the amends out, you know. And, um, and then having a process first time in my life to deal with my resentments, you know, my anger, my fears, you know, in steps 10 and then 11 and 12, you know. And, and one of the things that we had to do for step 12 was to, to write something down that we would do in service, you know, and then we write it on a piece of paper and put, put an envelope that had our, our um, address on it. And then three months later, or perhaps not quite that long, I, I got this letter in the post and I, I thought, well, who's, who's writing me from Holland, you know what I mean? And, so I opened up and I thought, oh, I realised I remembered what it was about. And it was like a smack in the face, you know. And, uh, and it, it sort of geed me on again further. So I, I guess um, I have a lot of things to learn still. Um, I just want to be um, humble enough to receive um, what's necessary, you know. There was, a, there was a guy who used to come to um, my AA meeting years and years ago, and he was many years sober. And uh, he used to talk about... Uh, five minutes left, Andrew. Five minutes? Yes. Thank you. He used to talk about he was lucky. He said, oh, I don't know really what happened. I was, I've been lucky. And I thought, what sort of a program is that? What's not got to do with it? It's all about this. It's all about that. You know, I mean, I haven't got a nodding acquaintance, but like, I, I realise that I have been lucky today, you know, um, not in a, a gambling way, but like, um, I've, I've been lucky that all these things have happened and led me to SA and led me to that workshop and led me to breaking down at that moment in time, just at the right time in the right place, you know. And, You know, I guess there's not many sexaholics who say they, they travelled to, to Amsterdam to, to get sober from sexaholism, you know. But I am one of these guys, you know, and um, it, it, it was, I'm really grateful for the people who took the time out and looked after me and cared for me and, um, and loved me back to uh, when I couldn't love myself, you know. And so that's been my, my recovery in SA. And um, today I, I do a little bit of service here and there and, and I, I get a lot out of it and um, it helps me. And, you know, doing service, I'm learning so much within service about, about the way that service is running, essay and, and, and in 12-step fellowships and about what my role is, you know, and about the inverted triangle, you know, you in, in, in service, you don't go up, you go down, you know. The, the, the board of trustees is at the, actually at the bottom, you know. The, the, the fellowship is at the head. And um, learning about um, um, the process and um, compromise and also that, you know, um, it's not... Um, Glaxo, Smith, Klein, Beecham, you know, it's not GSK, it's, it's, it's a 12-step fellowship. 
and supporting people in their recovery. You know, and what I'm trying to do in, in my recovery is to create a fertile field that we're saying, like what happened to me, that that others can receive the gift of sobriety in the same way that I do. So I'm very grateful for, for having this opportunity to share with you. I'm grateful to my sponsor. I'm grateful to my home group. And I'm also grateful for, you know, grace of my higher power. So I'll leave it there. Thank you. I'm curious to know, you said you came to your first meeting in, I think, 2000 or 2001. Um, and what it was that kept you coming back all those years uh, without sobriety? Yeah, thank you, Nancy. Um, so, you know, I think the first time I went, I, I got nine months and then less and less and less. What made me come back? Come back. Well, it was crisis, cry for, cry for help. It was uh, not knowing where else to go. Um, I, I guess I tried other fellowships in between, you know, the other S fellowships. Tried to get sober in in in. AA again, you know, in respect of um, practicing the steps again, doing another study, things like that. Always half-heartedly, I guess. I, I just wasn't ready to receive. I hadn't had enough, you know. I, I thought I could lust like a gentleman, you know. I, I couldn't. Well, I'm glad you came back. <laughs> Thank you. Lee? Hey, Andrew. Uh, great chair. It's good to hear you. Uh, I, hear, I heard you talk about assuming the prayer position, and that's something I have heard of for a long time, and I still have difficulty with it uh, today. It's interesting that when Bill originally wrote the steps in December of 1938, the seventh step says, humbly ask him on our knees to remove them. And they finally talked him out of putting that in the steps. So I wonder if you still do that daily and how you work that out. Yes, um, I've got to confess before this meeting, I was on my knees at the back of here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I sometimes um, I, I I don't always drop to my knees. I sometimes um, pray in bed or standing up and, and on the bus. I I don't I don't need um, any specific time to pray in my tradition. Um, we don't. Um, but generally, when the Browns do. It's the air conditioning unit. I'm always on my knees, always on my knees, you know. Um, I, I guess I'm not sure it makes any difference, but like I'm, I'm, it works for me. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Buddy? Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing. Um, I'm Buddy, the bleeding deacon huh, for today. Um, recovering sexaholic. I like that idea you shared there where you actually did a workshop on making amends. Um, 
I think that for our next international convention, I'm going to suggest that idea because that really works. That that role playing stuff, it it helps. Um, and I had to laugh when when you asked the fellow to sponsor you, and and he said no. Um, I came to. SA after many years in AA, and I learned a trick or two in AA. Um, I came to SA and I saw a fella, I wanted the sobriety that he had. So I said to him that God has given you a free gift and you're going to sponsor me. And if you don't sponsor me, God will probably take that free gift away from you. What else could he say? But yes, <laughs> he's still my sponsor today, 23 years later. I love it. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Greg? Yes, thank you so much, Andrew. Wow, I could relate a lot to your share. Uh, one thing I that really caught my ear was uh, when you started talking about uh, you know, the hand reaching inside of you and melting the ice of your intellect, your intellectual uh, being to reach into your emotional being. And I I guess, was that uh, a one-time thing or did it occur over a a space of time, I guess, was my uh, question. And could you go into a little more detail on that too? Hey, Greg, it happens all the time, you know, I... I uh, but the, the first time, the first time. Yeah, the first time, well, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was profound, and um, yeah. it was profound, yeah. I, I, You know, I think the whole situation about being away from home and, and, and being in the last chance saloon and da-da-da-da-da, you know, it, it made it uh, very sharp. And uh, yeah, something changed. I guess it wasn't a white lightning thing, but it was like an internal um, sort of like straightening of the back, you know. Well, I don't know. It's just it just like something inside me. I, I I felt protected as well, you know, and um, on the right path. And yeah. So no, I have had it as, since as well. Um, yeah, but that was the first time um, it worked, and obviously uh, in the back of the book he talks about that and um, yeah. the the educational variety of that as well, you know. And I, I don't know, um, I've, I've, I don't know which one it was. I mean, it was I think it was um, it was more of a instant. Um, manifestation yeah yeah thank you for sharing that Juan Carlos yes uh, hi Andrew uh, glad to see you again uh, after the Child for beginners uh, meeting we enjoy uh, I think one month and a half yeah uh, I really with you uh, several things uh, one is uh, that I also enjoyed a one one night stand with many many uh, people uh, only one night, and uh, also uh, you said that your your wife uh, caught you uh, in the last year or well in the first year of your recovery, 
uh, mine didn't uh, catch me. <laughs> I need to to disclose to her. My my, my wife uh, wasn't uh, blind. I don't know what happened for more than 30 years. Well, almost 30 years. But uh, I also uh, relate with you that uh, traveling abroad, uh, traveling abroad from uh, recovery was my hint, was my turning point. Uh, traveling to the state for the international convention in Seattle was for me well a turning point. So I enjoyed it a lot. And nowadays I am I am uh, well, uh, having the fruits of that uh, travel. So about your marriage, uh, I suppose you are still married. Uh, how is the relationship with your wife uh, nowadays? If I can if I can ask you. Thank you. Hello, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Joan. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my relationship with my wife is uh, is okay on a personal nature. Um, she has uh, developed a uh, um, very difficult illness, so she's got progressive MS, and um, so I'm more or less a carer these days. And um, so there's been a lot of acceptance. Um, around that situation and, um, you know, to have the patience, you know, learn the patience or have the patience to care for her, you know, to look after her. Um, so it's it's changed. And, and it's interesting. It's actually improved in one respect in so much that it's, I, I look at it a bit of a, as a, like an amends, you know, I, it's not the way I, it's not what I planned for my, my life, you know, it's not what I planned, but um, it's what, what God's given me and, and that's the situation and, you know, um, it's my turn to put it back, you know. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm dedicated to the marriage. It's very strong and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a sober one. I'm sober, you know. I'm sober, and uh, that helps. Thank you very much, Harry. Thank you, Luke. Hi, Andrew. This is this is Luke. Good to see you. Um, you mentioned it briefly. You mentioned to workshop in Amsterdam, and then the convention in Ballyvaloo in Ireland. I've noticed that you're a guy who is at all the workshops and conventions or many of them. Yeah. And uh, I used to do that the, the first seven years of my recovery also when I still had the money and I wasn't married yet. Um, but um, could you say something about what these conventions and workshops do to you? Thank you. I mean, this convention um, in Ballyvaloo at this weekend, the Irish convention, uh, just amazing um, time of uh, coming together, of um, strengthening each other, of like close-knit recovery. And, um, you know, there's no doubt that the SA higher power was there, you know. And uh, so the music, the, uh, the food, you know, all good abstinent food <laughs> it was great it was really good and uh also helping other people you know it just gives you the insight people who uh, are new around people who are 
perhaps not in sobriety, just gives you opportunity to work with them. The, the sharing, listening to the, yeah, it's great to go to different people sharing slightly differently, you know, in a different, not only a different accent, but a different uh, a different way. And so it really, it really is strengthening. And I, I'm, um, I got a lot out of it. I got charged up a lot from going. And yes, I'd recommend to everybody, you know, my sponsor talks about it, probably thought, say, you know, join the fellowship, get a sponsor, do the steps, do service, and go to conventions is the fifth one. So I agree with you. Thank you, Andrew. Members with fewer than 30 days of sobriety can share too from now on. Federico. Thank you, uh, Natalie, for your service. I'm a Federico Sexaholic. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciated your, your share. Good to see you. And um, yeah, I, uh, I really related to a couple of things. One is the your experience with the workshop. That was absolutely crucial for me as well. It was the first time when I got to an essay workshop that I actually got the message that this there is actually a program and that I can actually work it in my daily life and that there are some actions that I can take and be faithful to them on a daily basis, they're simple, um, and they're actions that I, I just I could just repeat, uh, and uh, and it helps to connect me to <clears throat> to sobriety and recovery. And yeah, just to echo again what's been said again and again, you know, the convention experience. I you know my my own recovery and sobriety started when I finally my sponsor had suggested many times go to a convention or go to a recovery day. It was always no, uh, and when I finally you know sort of travelled. Uh, and that was important. I, I sort of put things aside and said, okay, I'm desperate. I'm going to get to a convention. And that's where I was put into a room where the first time I realized there were many people there who were sober, happy, smiling, and I wanted it. So um, thank you for your share. Natalie, may I share? This is Daniel. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you for your <laughs> service, Natalie. And Andrew, thank you very much, very much for your share. And uh, there were a number of things in there that I definitely identified with. And I really appreciate your comment, you know, about your marriage. You know, there was a question earlier about that. And that's always been a, a big, I don't know, <laughs> one of my top plate issues is how's my marriage going these days? And of course, the recovery is for me. But what I've discovered, I guess, as kind of a side benefit that's been, oh, this is also sort of a living amends to my wife. And probably the single most important thing that I'm doing in my life for the marriage. So, um, yeah, I, I just wondered if, um, if, I don't know if I can ask if you if your wife is involved in Essanon or if you could elaborate a bit more on your life before during the transition <clears throat> and into recovery and what your marriage how it changed oh. 
Yeah, I, it, it changed a lot in respect of um, yeah, her attitude towards me. I, you know, a lot of things were, before she used to ask me about, you know, how do I know you're sober? How do you know? You know, after, after a while, she, she, she doesn't ask me anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, you can, you know, it's about your manner, your attitude, your position, your, what you say, how you say it. You know, it's, she can, you know, she doesn't have to ask, does she, you know, and, um, also, she complains about all the work I do in essay as well, but there you go. Um, you can't have everything. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think um, her illness has um, sort of overtaken everything. It's the main focus of uh, our life together. And I mean, God's been really, really good to me in respect of um, having the opportunity to um, uh, find a job, you know, work, I, I became, I changed my job, so I worked at, at home, and I, I worked for myself, and, and that's being able to juggle the two things, you know, work and um, caring for her, and um, yeah, I'm, I've been able to help her sort of get access to things, and, and try to help her, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I think she, you know, I, it's very personal caring. It's a different sort of relationship, you know, um, choosing clothes for people uh, and cutting up their food, you know, uh, cooking for them, uh, shopping and, you know, um, getting people around, pushing her around on a wheel, all, all those sort of things. It's, it's not what I, you know, it's, it's, you know, big old ego, man, me, you know, that's not what, what I, I wouldn't be pushing people around in a wheelchair, you know. But like, I, I do it with honour now, you know, really. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Sean? Hi, I'm uh, Sean, I'm a sexaholic. Thanks, Andrew, for your share. Lots of identification there. Uh, I was just um, interested in knowing if... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sober about four and a half months now. I'm very grateful for that. But one of the things that's come up now and again is really this very strong obsession to act out. And I just wondered whether in your uh, journey, how long that took or whether it's ever gone away, uh, the obsession, uh, you know, to, 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 to lust, to act out. Well, Sean, all I can say is I hope it doesn't take as long as it took for me. So I said 2001 to 2015, you know. So, yeah, I know all about it. I know all about it, you know. But, again, it's about this positioning for me. It's about the positioning, being ready and committed to SA, the SA sobriety definition, the SA programme, the SA, you know, our fellows helping other people. I mean, really... Um, Instead of at the beginning, it was all about, oh, me, 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 me. You know, it's about getting out of me and getting out there and helping others, you know. And, and when I'm helping other people, I'm not, it's, I've, I've got some time to heal, you know. And uh, that's what happened, you know. And there's a guy, Simon from, from London, you may know him. And he, he said, we, I, I've started meetings in SA during that time, things like that. And, 
he said to me, he says, he was long-term sober then. I mean, I don't know how many years he's got now, but he said, the thing between me and you as a newcomer, I was, he says, I've got a bit more time. He says, I can just reflect on acting out. He says, I've got that time. You know, and I, I realised today that I have time. You know, I might see something which I could say, mm, you know, at the you know, like step two, I'm at the turning point. Which way am I going? I'm a choosing lust. I'm a choosing recovery, you know. So I've time to choose recovery because I can sort of see myself, you know. It talks about it in step zero, you know, that we, we get a knowledge of ourselves, you know, in, in that recovery. So I think that will come to you. You know, if you've got an earnest desire, I think, and you throw yourself into this programme, like I did eventually, um, you will you will be relieved of that, you know? You know, and even if you do get something, it's not as imminent, it's not as urgent, it's not as sharp, you know? And I'm not saying it goes away, just that you, you can, I, I deal with it, you know? There you go. Thank you. Matthew S. Hi there. Thank you very much, uh, Natalie. Yeah, thank you, Andrew, for your share. Again, like many others, I identified with a lot. Um, the intellectual thing, it, it was hard for me when I came to SA because I have an equivalent of two degrees in religion. And so, you know, when it came to God, I thought I knew it all uh, and that I didn't need to be taught anything. Of course, that wasn't the case. You know, and my sponsor, who's a person of faith, although of a different faith tradition, he's certainly taught me um, uh, about God my recovery you know but in terms of misconceptions <coughs> was it was been the biggest misconception in recovery that you had to deal with andrew and how did you overcome it well, it's a prejudice i had really a prejudice about other people about religion about you know um Part of my position, I was going to talk about it, well, part of my positioning was to, yeah, I mean, I mean in my faith tradition, I, I don't do confession, you know, not, not in that formal way, but, like, I, I did, I, I did that. That was that was very helpful, you know, but, I, you know, full immersion, baptism, I, I did, I've done everything, you know, but it, it didn't keep me sober, you know, <laughs> it didn't keep me sober. And uh, so... Um, yeah, just I. So yeah, it's just this prejudice, really, that and my lack of um, humility, really, um, has been the greatest obstacle in my in my recovery. Um, yeah, I've got zero degrees, and um, I I often think. <laughs> You know, and so it should have been easy for me, but it wasn't. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. We have uh, time for one more share for uh, Jakob, but I am also wondering if Stevens wanted to ask a question. If yes, Stevens, you can go after Jakob for a quick share, and otherwise we can move into the parking lot. Um, Jakob, you can share if you want to. Hi, uh, my name is Jakob and I'm a recovering Sitzahalic. And uh, thank you so much for your share. Um, I started sponsoring a few months ago. 
And during my sponsoring uh, um, experience, uh, sponsees that was sober for half a year, I used, and another sponsee um, that uh, was a new uh, fellow in the program hadn't like hadn't spoken to me in like a month, and um, and now I just offered another person that's in the program for nine years and cannot uh, find a way. And I just today offered him to be his sponsor. And I feel like, all right, I'll, I'll make it simple. I want to be there for my sponsees. And I do not know, like I know that sometimes being there is letting them go. And I wanted to know what is your experience on that? And how do I tell a sponsee that, um, that I'm letting them go? Thank you so much. Well, with tact and, <laughs> and uh, humility, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I usually, usually there's a reason for letting somebody go. And um, I, I cannot um, work with somebody who doesn't want to work with me. You know, they, they are better finding somebody else. And I'm better finding, you know, I'm mandated through this program to... That's, that's a bit of a hard word, but um, to carry the message, you know, and the big book's quite clear about this, that we should not um, spend time with someone who doesn't want what we have and find someone who does. And so I would use that as a, a way to explain to people, you know, and, um, you know, I hope that helps. Thank you very much. And it was great hearing, listening. Thank you. Thank you, Yakov. Bye-bye. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.